What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. How Israel's war in Gaza and the Houthi attacks in the Red Sea are part of a larger geopolitical picture with New York Times foreign affairs columnist Tom Friedman. I was very wary about Israel going into Gaza for two reasons. One, it clearly had no endgame. And eat, drink, and be Murray with your family. How chef and cookbook author Andy Murray laughs and eats for the holiday. Cooking is just another form of love. Would you like to know where Santa is right now? Santa Claus is coming to town, and NORAD is watching the wintry skies for a certain sleigh. It's that intensity of the infrared signal coming from Rudolph's nose that helps us initially pick him up. Plus, the other business headlines before the holiday, including promising drugs for brain chemistry, changes to your frequent flyer program, and China wants teens to spend less time with their tech. Which side are you on? Are you on the, I mean, there's arguably the freedom side, which is what we're doing, but I'm not sure that's the perfect answer either. It's Friday, December 22nd, and a jam-packed Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. We're all ready for the holidays. Set to go. Lovely tie. Andrew, fantastic. Thank well, you. Is, yes, Christmas. Lovely dress. Thank you. Well, it's actually a shirt. but oh, shirt. Okay. It's definitely red. Yeah. I got to amortize this. I only get to wear it once a year. Once a year. (laughs) Right. Exactly. China hawks and, you know, those that believe that, you know, everything China does has kind of a purpose. And you think about TikTok and I just couldn't help thinking of the irony of this as China works to protect its youth from online addictions like gaming. And some people would say at the same time, they're totally trying to, to destroy some of our uh, young people. But shares of Chinese, it's nice that they're doing this for, for, for their kids. Uh, shares of Chinese gaming companies plunged overnight. China surprised the markets with new rules aimed at curbing excessive gaming and spending on online games. They don't want, they don't want that for the kids. Uh, Tencent plunged by 12% overnight in Hong Kong, wiping out uh, $43 billion, 43 dollars in market value. NetEase. Fell by nearly 25%, generated 80% of its third quarter revenue from online gaming. The draft rules would prohibit online gaming uh, from companies uh, f- from offering or condoning high-value transactions in these virtual games. So it would ban, it would ban daily login rewards, uh, which incentivize more play and force com- companies now to place limits on how often users can reload money into their accounts. Gaming companies would also be forced to trigger pop-up warnings uh, to users who display (laughs) irrational consumption behavior. That's their words. President Xi Jinping has blamed addiction to online gaming for adverse effects 
uh, on the psychology of the country's youth, and we certainly you know, we were worried. As but if you believe what, what what they say about with TikTok or what's it's just interesting. With us, it's like they're trying Give to subvert. They yeah, right. they're trying to subvert our youth, but their own. Well, it, 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 right. it's honestly they've done this before. I don't know why this would come as such a huge surprise to the markets. Remember, was it a couple of years ago when they wanted to limit the amount of right. gaming time that, that any kids were allowed to do right. too, and all the stocks fell at that point too. But you're right. right. It's like, yeah, we don't <laughs> want this for our kids. Let's let's just outsource this exactly. to the American kids. And they're limiting the gaming for the one child you were allowed to have. Which is also that's uh, loosened a little bit. Hold on, but which, well, which, which side half, are you on? Let have one and a half. One and a half now. Hold on, but which side do you? Which side are you on? Are you on the? I mean, there's arguably the freedom side, which is what we're doing, but I'm not sure that's the perfect yeah, I'm, answer I'm, either. When it comes to kids, I'm or there's that them. side, which, <laughs> which <laughs> stop the gaming. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, uh, so that's, look, it, it's one thing for adults. It's another thing for kids. And, and we have what there was just a story this reminded me of this week where we were talking about some controls for social media for kids. I think I'm I've been in favor of that, too. It should be easier to control some of these things and make sure that the gamification of it all. I mean, this is the same thing that people complained about with Robin Hood during the um, during the pandemic when people were at right. home losing and, and, the and gambling is, and making it too fast and too easy. But are we putting it on regulators to do this? Are we putting it on parents to yeah, do this? Parents. Are we putting it on children to do that? I mean, that's the fundamental question that's been so difficult, I think, for this whole country to grapple with. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is kids are smarter at the technology than we are. So and there's, there's, there's worse things than a community of kids that are playing games and you meet other kids and you do, you know, yeah, better than... Yeah, when you're meeting other people, you think they're kids and it turns out they're Well, that's true, but, but I think that it can be, it can be an okay activity for kids and they can actually be into yeah. it. And well, I think it's some, in moderation. Think about, I think other things that maybe teenage, teenagers are not doing when they're playing games and it, it's you know there, there can be worse things than you know, that's why sports are good for some shrinkage at some retailer it's fascinating uh what what we're talking about uh just trying to deal with uh, you know, neurologic diseases in this case uh, schizophrenia but bristol myers squibb is buying karuna therapeutics for 14 billion dollars bristol was going to pay 330 a dollar a share for Karuna. The company currently has a potential blockbuster drug for the treatment of schizophrenia uh, that had positive results under review by the FDA. The standard treatment now, as we were talking, Becky, it, it, it involves, and you've probably heard some of these words, dopamine and serotonin and those receptors. The neurotransmitters and, and give you good if you think about it, the, the learning exactly how the brain works, that's almost the last frontier. We can, we can understand a lot of other things, but human thought and consciousness and what mediates it, it's mediated through, chem, through chemicals, which is a, a unbelievable. But the, the existing therapies uh, do something either with the dopamine receptors or dopamine and serotonin. This works on muscarinic uh, receptors, which are acetylcholine. And there's not that many neurotransmitters. There's epinephrine and... Uh, I, 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 don't, I still don't understand that. I know we were talking about a little bit that that means what? It goes after your muscular skeletal? Well, acetylcholine is, is at the neuromuscular junction. And, and you remember Curare, the, the, which the Amazon, you know, Indians uh, use that oh, can, yeah, with yeah. the poison dart. Yeah. If you 
acetylcholinesterase, if you break down acetylcholine where your, your nerves can't stimulate your muscles, you stop breathing and, and you die. But so acetylcholine is used for a lot of things, but you think of higher brain centers using dopamine or serotonin. So it's interesting, but this is a novel mechanism because there's a lot of problems right. uh, with, with uh, existing antipsychotic drugs, a lot of side effects, and people don't like being on them really, and you need them. If, if you have, or unfortunately have one of these horrific uh, disease, you know, hallucinations and yeah. This is for this is an experimental drug for schizophrenia, schizophrenia. but also also works on some other things. Yeah. Bipolar P disorder. They think it would work on, and also Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, which I don't quite understand. All mediated by everything it goes on in your brain is mediated by these neurotransmitters. So as but we it's get further, it's exciting new research to get to that point, and that's why yeah. they're thinking that this drug could potentially surpass six billion dollars in billion. yearly sales right. if it's approved for all these various uses, which is why you see the big price tag. That Bristol well, you know is what, willing to pay. I mean, Alzheimer's, you know what that does to families. Think about what truly someone in their 20s that has schizophrenia or bipolar disease, it's, it's devastating. The Department of uh, Transportation is now scrutinizing the frequent flyer programs of major U.S. airlines for potential deceptive or unfair practices. The agency is saying it has been meeting in recent weeks with airlines uh, trying to discuss these issues like transparency practices when booking award tickets, transferability of miles, and notice given before making changes. I think the big issue is just the, the devaluation, uh, either the inflation or deflation of the value of all of these things, but I don't know if that, that's in the fine print. I think. You can pay for your Wi-Fi with it. Yeah, if you use 80,000 miles. Yeah, you go. Or no, you can pay $8. Really That's yeah. a ter you got to go to the points guy. You should never be right. using it for Wi-Fi. You should never be yeah. buying like, yourself presents uh, on the website. You might as well pay it's the, the eight. Worst, I know. It's a worst terrible use trade. Case. Right. It is a terrible, terrible trade. I was looking at eight bucks or I, I think it was like 80,000 right. miles or something ridiculous. Maybe it's 8,000. The, be the best way to do it is to take the credit cards transfer them over, never use the credit cards through the program. That's the big lesson. It's too much work. Like the credit card miles. All I want is to, maybe, to, to hoard enough miles so that I can get on the plane early and potentially get an upgrade. That's it. Yeah, you'd be good that, luck yeah, with that. Good luck. No, I good am. I'm, I'm 1K. They, they getting the I'm upgrade. The upgrade they, thing doesn't even happen anymore. No, there's 30 yeah. seats up there. Oh, that's right. And, and one, one of yeah. them is available for, for an upgrade. The other 29 are, are tickets or are dollar. Yeah. They, they, sell, game, they sell them. That game's you know what? Over. The, that, that, that's good news for airline investors, the idea that they actually have people paying right. for all of these seats instead of upgrading them. Terrible news for customers, but good news for investors, I suppose. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, New York Times foreign affairs columnist Tom Friedman on the connection between Houthi rebels on the Suez Canal shipping route and the war between Israel and Hamas on the ground in Gaza. Let me start from 30,000 feet, then go to 10,000 feet, then to sea level. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand under by in three, two, one, cue Ander. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ostorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan ahead of the big uh, holidays. Christmas is coming. We've got an update now on the attacks by Houthi rebels in the Red Sea that have forced shipping companies to avoid the Suez Canal and uh, those diversions driving up freight prices. CNBC's learned that prices are as high as $10,000 per 40-foot container. Uh, they were being quoted uh, for Shanghai to UK Transit as of yesterday, just last week. Those rates were less than $2,500. Joining us right now to talk about that conflict and so much more uh, ahead of the holiday season. Tom Friedman, New York Times foreign affairs columnist and the author of From Beirut to Jerusalem, of course, and, well, about a million other books. But uh, we're trying to relate back to where, unfortunately, where the conflict is right now, Tom. Nice to see you. You too, Andrew. Um, let's let's talk about what's happening just in the Red Sea and then maybe contextualize that, bring Iran into it, and then maybe we go to Israel and everything else. But how, how do you see this playing itself out and how do you see the dominoes falling one way or the other? Well, Andrew, let me start from 30,000 feet and then go to 10,000 feet and then to sea level if I could. Um, from 30,000 feet, I felt um, from the very start of the war between Hamas uh, and Israel that basically um, what was going on in the world was that Ukraine was trying to join the West and Israel was trying to join the East through normalization with Saudi Arabia and Russia and Iran um, and their proxies got together to block both. So I think that's what's happening globally. Um, At the next level down, uh, basically Iran, well, if you think about it this way, Andrew, the US has two aircraft carrier groups in the region right now, one in the Eastern Mediterranean and one in the Persian Gulf. Iran has four what I call landcraft carriers. They're called the Houthis um, in Yemen. They're called Hezbollah in Lebanon. They're called Hamas in Gaza. They're called Shia militias in Iraq. And Iran uses its landcraft carriers to project power and influence around the region um, and advance its goal of driving America and Israel out the way we um, project power through our aircraft carriers. But their landcraft carriers are on the ground. Um, Iran can use them as proxies, hide behind them, et cetera. So that's sort of from 10,000 feet. From sea level, uh, you have the Houthis, um, who are uh, this a group of uh, a Yemeni tribesmen who in 2014 came down from the north. They're an offshoot of Shiites, some close relations with Iran, uh, to take over Yemen and impose their authority on all the other tribes, triggering a civil war. Saudi Arabia got involved. We got involved inside the Saudis, the Iranians on the other side, et cetera. The war has died down. They've been sort of working uh, off a ceasefire of late. Uh, But there's still a lot of competition because the way the war ended, there's sort of a balance of power now between the different tribes. But the Houthis are hoping to sort of steal a march on all the others by showing themselves as the great defenders of Palestine and their ability to uh, lob rockets at Israel. So that's sort of what's going on. Now, the Saudis are very concerned. They, they basically told the Houthis, you know, whatever you do, don't lob any rockets at Israel over Saudi Arabia, because we don't want to have to shoot them down. We don't want to have to look like we're protecting Israel. So uh, the Houthis act basically over the Red Sea, et cetera. We've now got this US-led, uh, I think, 10-nation coalition uh, to try to deal with this. 
But basically, I think what the, our Arab allies are saying, like, don't get in a war with these guys because that's kind of what they want. And at the same time, not sure how to stop them. The Omanis are trying to work a deal. That's where we are this morning. Let's go back to the 30,000 foot piece of this, though, because maybe that's the most important piece of this, which is where do you see what's happening in Israel with the Palestinians going? Um, I don't know directionally what you think is going to happen in Israel proper. Um, but as it relates to Iran and this larger piece? Well, if you've been following me from the start, you'll know I was very wary about Israel going into Gaza for two reasons. One, um, it clearly had no endgame. It had no defined end goal. Uh, and so it was launching uh, its army against uh, Hamas in retaliation for the murderous and barbaric attack by Hamas on Israel on October 7th. Um, uh, fully justified by Israel in responding to that, of course, but it had no end game. Uh, that is, it had no political goal in Gaza in mind that would allow Israel to either stay there indefinitely in a way that was politically, diplomatically sustainable and have some Palestinian partner. Why doesn't it have an end game? Uh, because members of Israel's far-right government um, uh, under Netanyahu refused to have um, uh, any talk of Palestinian state or, or the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank taking over Gaza. So I was worried about that. Second, all you have to do is follow Israeli politics to know that the elite there is not together at all. Um, uh, there's lots of infighting uh, within the elite. And when you launch a war as important as, as Gaza uh, without a, an elite that is aligned, um, uh, that's very, very unnerving to me. So um, the war has uh, now in inflicted terrible damage right. on Hamas infrastructure and on Gazan civilians. Um, thousands of people have, have been killed. And it's gone um, uh, at some level. The Israelis have discovered a lot of tunnels. They've inflicted a lot of damage. But if you read uh, Haaretz this morning, their top military correspondent, the war is also going very, very slowly, very costly. You know, Israel is a reserve army, so it's high-tech economy. A lot of those guys, you're working for those high-tech companies that you guys have reported on, are, are now in the streets of Gaza. And so uh, it's not in a long-term sustainable situation. Tom, uh, it is a longer conversation to figure out where to go from here. Uh, I want to wish you a very happy holidays. I hope we can have you back and we can continue this conversation in the new year. Unfortunately, this story is not going anywhere. Uh, Tom Friedman, thank you. Up next on Squawk Pod. Eat, drink, and be Murray. We're spreading some holiday cheer where we can. Chef, co-owner of the Murray Brothers Caddyshack restaurant, Andy Murray, shares his cherished, weird family recipes a peanut butter, mayo, and lettuce sandwich. The flavors all work, the crunch works. And get your cookies ready, Santa's coming to town, and the North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, has eyes on clear skies for Santa. NORAD Track Santa, how can I help you? Royal Canadian Air Force Major General S.T. Boyle is watching for St. Nick. He's one of the most impressive aviators that we've seen, uh, and we deal a lot in aviation in NORAD. More Squawk Pod right after this. Stay tuned. You and the stomachache you're currently getting. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. It's our last show before a long holiday weekend, and all through this pod, we're getting in the mood for a Merry Christmas, or should I say Murray Christmas? Here's Becky Quick. Well, it's almost time to get cooking for Christmas, or maybe you've already started. Either way, Eat, Drink, and Be Murray is the cookbook from Andy Murray. He's the co-owner of the Murray Brothers Caddyshack Restaurant. It offers tips for food and entertaining family and friends. And joining us right now is the chef of the Murray family, Andy Murray. Andy, first of all, happy holidays. Thanks for being with us this morning. Good morning, Becky. Thanks for having me. I, I just I love being here with you. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about this cookbook. And we call it a cookbook, but it is really far more than a cookbook. If you read through this, there's family stories, uh, the history of the family, how you became a cook, baking or making a bacon with your mom when you were just four years old, and stories to go along with all of these recipes, too. Um, you've, you've been a chef for a long time, but how did the idea of the cookbook actually come around? Uh, it started at uh, a Thanksgiving dinner at my brother Billy's house up in Charleston, and uh, a woman by the name of Karen Duffy came after dinner and said, you know, you ought to write a cookbook. And, and uh, then the pandemic hit and uh, it just, you know, and right after that, I called her back and I said, you know, maybe I should do this cookbook. And she goes, oh, yeah, I talked to the agent. Let's do it. So we got done. Yeah, and, and what I love about this, again, is it's there's some great recipes in here, things that I definitely want to try, like uh, short ribs and, and polenta. Some that I, I definitely don't want to try, um, the peanut butter and, and mayonnaise and lettuce sandwich. How did that one come about? That is, you know, my family, we had we have nine children in the family and uh, we got home from school at three o'clock. My dad didn't get home till 536. So, you know, my mother had to figure out a way to feed us in there. So there's always like seven, eight loaves of bread in the house. Uh, peanut butter, mayonnaise and lettuce, it started and everybody in the family eats it i mean if i'm making it my brother one of my brothers will come and move me over and take it from me so it's it's the the flavors all work the crunch works the mayonnaise and the peanut butter and, and soft bread is key too I, i'm still not entirely sold but i'll, I'll take your word on yeah, it. i'll make it for you back and you'll and you'll change your mind and, and the extra chunky or super chunky or or, or yeah yeah as chunky as you can get joe and the lettuce helps with it with the crispiness too. I it's would say it's a combination. All the crunches, you know, from the peanuts and then the lettuce and the mayonnaise and and the soft bread, and it just it works. It's a what? weird recipe. No, I, I've got friends who can't even be in the room with mayonnaise, but. Um. <laughs> What, what I love about this book, Andy, really is, though, the, the family stories and the way um, it just evokes memories. And I, I think we all have that sort of a feeling. There are certain tastes, certain smells, certain foods that bring you immediately back to your childhood, to your family. And we, we call it comfort food. Um, How do you weave these stories? It's into a lot it? of comfort food. You know, cooking is just another form of love, you know, and uh, if you if, if this makes you think of, of the past and, and people you love, you know, that's great. But uh, it's, there's nothing real difficult. Everybody, I made this book so everybody could make this stuff. Hey, Andy, do you, you probably haven't done a 20, I almost said 21 in me, 23 in me. I think there's 23. I, but, I mean, I, you know, I, I've had some, uh, you know, we know Bill a little bit, and I've uh, watched John, I think, in a movie, and there's you and Brian uh, is, so Joel. funny. Joel, yeah. Everybody's so funny. Is it, 
it was it learn? I mean, nature, it's a nature nurture thing, but I think there might be, I think there might be a gene. I do. I really do. And it, oh, it's and definitely I, a gene. My, my parents were funny people. Uh, my father had a, a very dry sense of humor. And then at the dinner table, if you could make my dad <laughs> laugh, you knew you were doing well. And my mom just, she was, she laughed. She had this great laugh and, and we laughed a lot at our house. Still do. I, there's no doubt. I mean, you, you watch your brother, like, I, I don't know you well or, or your other brother, but just knowing what I know, Bill, you can just see it. You can just see, you talk about anything and somehow he arrives at some bizarre twist that is, in his mind, he, I think he's amusing himself constantly. Oh, he, you can see him. He'll be sitting there and all of a sudden he starts smiling about something that he's thinking. Yeah, he does that. Yeah, it's a, it's a good family trait to have. Hey, Andy, while you're here, let's talk about the food business a little bit, like through the restaurants and what you see. We have seen the consumers start to trade down in some places where they're not um, paying for that most expensive bottle of, of wine or champagne or something. Other places, that hasn't been the case. What, what have you seen? Because you guys have a restaurant not only in uh, St. Augustine, Florida, but also in Illinois. Yeah, we have a restaurant in Rosemont, Illinois, right next to O'Hare Airport, and the, you know the one in St. Augustine, which is the, our original one. Uh, yeah, business is it, it's coming back. It's it's uh, the, like Rosemont. Rosemont, you know, really the conventions really drive that, uh, and they they're just really getting back to where they were before the pandemic. Uh, St. Augustine is still it's still a pretty good restaurant. There's it's a tourist town. You know, we're in the World Golf Village and the Hall of Fame left. Uh, but that really, you know, that didn't uh, mean a whole lot to us, you know. But it's it's the business. It's it's a crazy business. you got to be a little bit nuts to be in it. But we are. So. <laughs> um, let's talk some celebrity dishes, because over the years, uh, you've cooked for some um, well-known people. I think Princess Margaret, maybe Frank Sinatra. Was Frank Sinatra a tough customer? Frank Sinatra was great. We uh, he, there was a, a dinner party. Uh, Red Buttons was having it after Sinatra was playing at the Garden, and they came in. We were working. I was working at Mortimer's Restaurant in New York, and uh, he had set up the dinner. It was rack of lamb, and we were, that was our specialty. We were doing it, and all of a sudden, Barbara Sinatra's at the door of the kitchen. He goes, "My husband and I, we don't eat lamb. Is there something else?" And I said, would you like some fish? Dover salt? Oh, yeah. And uh, after the meal was done, Sinatra came in and you know, who made that fish? And I pointed to my friend Johnny, who was cooking the fish, and, and uh, he goes, that was a great piece of fish. And gave him 100 bucks, and then gave $50 to everybody in the room. So it was like, we all like Frank Sinatra, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine why. Andy, want to thank you for coming on with us today. And by the way, folks, the book again is called Eat, Drink, and Be Murray. Andy, uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thanks, Vax. Thanks, Joe. Uh, it's a great Christmas present. You can still get it on Amazon and get it delivered in time for Christmas. You, yeah. ha you had to write it because it's got such a good title, Eat, Drink, and Be Murray. I mean. Fell into it. Right? Yeah. I was Andrew's ready to go. Too. Andrew's here, too. Let's play golf. Oh, Andrew, too. Yeah. Well, did they ever call you Drew? <laughs> oh, yeah, I always wanted to be a Drew. I tried my for son, years. I wanted to be an Andy. I wanted to be a Drew. I never got it. My uh, son's a Drew. Never took. Yeah. Wish, wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Uh, yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Christmas to all of you. Thank you. Mer Mer Merry Christmas. You too. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. <laughs> 
it's the Friday before Christmas, and while consumers are, are trekking to stores for last-minute gifts, our next guest's mission is focused on Santa's journey around the globe on Christmas Eve. Joining us now, Royal Canadian Air Force uh, Major General Sean Boyle, a deputy commander with the continental U.S. Uh, NORAD region. NORAD is a binational American and Canadian command uh, center that monitors North American airspace, and each year, uh, provides live updates of Santa's location on Christmas Eve, and this is their 68th year. And thanks for joining us. Uh, it's good to see you, uh, Major General Boyle. Morning, Joe. Trying to figure out how we did this before satellites, because that's we have a really good idea of what's happening because we're able to track it with, I mean, how many satellites are we using? They're fixed Earth satellites, so they, they're on the same uh, they're in the same orbit over the same part of the Earth, right? And they're able to pick up enough from Rudolph's nose to know exactly where the uh, sand is at any given time. That is correct, Joe. Yeah, it's a, it's a constellation of geosynchronous satellites. They're uh, orbiting at 22,000 miles above the Earth. Um, and as you correctly point out, it's that, it's that intensity of the uh, infrared uh, signal coming from Rudolph's nose that helps us initially pick them up. Then we use North Warning System radars, which are arrayed across uh, Alaska and northern Canada. And finally, we have fighters in, in Canada and the United States that intercept uh, Norad Slay, just so we can keep track uh, of uh, his path uh, on and, Christmas Eve. And you think about how many things go into it, uh, Major General, and that is, I mean, weather systems, there's a couple of systems that aren't going to be great uh, for, for part of this uh, trip. And then you think about protected airspace. And then this year we had the, the spy balloon. I mean, and, and, you know, suddenly we all think like we're going to go outside and see a UFO. So there's so many variables and, and things to worry about to make sure that, you know, you don't mistake Santa for something else, that it, the job's gotten more important. He's one of the most impressive aviators that we've seen. Uh, and we deal a lot in aviation in, uh, in, uh, in NORAD. Um, um, and he's able to work through the weather. We, we've actually tracked historically uh, Santa back to the uh, to the fifth century uh, A.D. Uh, and he manages to uh, to fly brilliantly through all weather conditions. Every every year, it's pretty it's pretty surprising. You know what else is cool? You you have a bunch of corporate partners, so you're not really you know spending government funds to do this. Uh, can you name some of them? And don't they fund most of the uh, the operation for you? Yeah, and that's important to let everyone know there is no cost to the to the taxpayer here. We have over 1,100 volunteers. So those are uniformed military and Canadian service members, DOD, um, civilians, um, and, and uh, it's over 70. I don't have the list right in front of me, but they're very generously providing the corporate sponsor sponsorship that allows us to host the website um, and uh, fund, you know, extra phone lines um, so that we can uh, run this operation every year now for our 68th year. So when when did he start, or they when did they start? It's obviously a team effort. And where do you know the the location right now? Could you pinpoint? Like you could give me uh, coordinates. Well, I actually don't do that. When like shining a laser in Santa's eyes or something like that. But but where where what's going on right now? Well, we don't. Yeah, we don't really. Get energized in the in the Track Santa um, uh, organization until 
when we expect Santa to, to launch, and that is normally 6 a.m. Eastern time on December the 24th. So that's when the call okay. center. All right. So they're still yeah, in prep. When, they're still prepping and, and just uh, probably running some tests and stuff to make sure everything's uh, everything's working well. We appreciate uh, appreciate what you do. It's important work, and uh, I, I, you know, Godspeed, and don't let anything go wrong, please. Thank you very much, Joe. It was nice uh, talking to you, and happy holidays to the, the Squawk Box team there. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Thanks, Major General Boyle. So cool. Can I just say I love that segment every year? Um, I just do. Drew Ross Sorkin, no. No. I'm trying. No. No. I would I've, I've, no. Won I've wanted it. Drew Ross, it doesn't go with your middle name. It doesn't if you get Drew it, Ross. You could drop the sword and Drew Ross. Sounds yeah. Drew cool. Ross, you got to be on Guiding Light or something. Uh, yeah. Sure. Really? Oh, you're up. You're, you're, That's you're up for that. Man. Yeah. Drew Ross. <laughs> Drew. And Drew Ross. Yeah. I mean, my my father won't be happy with that, but go for it. I never knew. You never have ever said you wanted to be Drew, and we can. You never asked. I, I can't. Murray asked I tried at, at camp many years ago. I tried to be an Andy. But it never took. Oh no! I, no, no way. I don't, I, Drew, I can see. I don't. I don't think of you as an Andy. But Drew, I, I can see. I only use Andy when you use Joseph with me. You know, in the past when we when we've done when we've both resorted yes. to a, a, a Joseph and an Andy. All right, Rebecca says move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Rebecca. That's when I get in trouble. That's when my mother called me. Oh oh oh. Okay. Oh okay. Give everybody lots of hugs, your family. Andrew. Merry Christmas. Andrew, thank you for the happy idea. Happy holidays. Hug, Merry yeah, thank you. Happy holidays. Happy, happy holidays. New Year. Lots of hugs. Hug your family. Thank you for listening to Squawk Pod today and whenever you do. Thanks for being part of our 2023. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. This podcast is produced by me, Katie Kramer, and Cameron Costa. Julie Trass edited today's episode. From all of us on Squawk Box, please have a wonderful holiday. We're off on Monday, but we will be right back here on December 26th. See you then. We are clear. Thanks, guys. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.